Good to see you all this morning. Turn to Acts chapter 8. We're going to be continuing our study here in the book of Acts. And we're going to be talking about this guy named Saul a little bit. We're going to be talking about Philip a little bit. And we're going to see what God does in the lives of people. How many of you guys like to see God move? Anybody here? Right? There's a few of you. I know we're Baptists. We, some of us like to see him move, and some of us are like, yeah, not too much, you know. Don't make us uncomfortable with this movement, Lord. But here we read about Saul, and Saul is this man that, you know, He's just doing what he thinks right. Uh, he's trying to be religious. He's trying to go out here. He's trying to, you know, give God glory, but he's missing the point, right? Like you can, you can think you're right and be 100% wrong. Did you guys know that? Saul is that guy, right? He, he's, he thinks he's doing everything exactly the way God wants him to do it, but he's missing the point. I mean, he missed Messiah, right? Look at chapter eight, starting with verse one. Acts chapter eight. And Saul approved of his execution, speaking of Stephen, right? He approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Everybody look at that verse and just hold it. Hold it in your hands just for a moment, right? Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and they saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. God, our, our desire is to see you lifted up. God, we want much joy here in McLeod. We want much joy in our nation. And Lord, we know that that true joy, that last, it's only going to come from knowing Jesus. That that true joy that, that counts, that lasts for all eternity, comes from you. Help us to be proclaimers of your word. God, I pray today that if there's anyone in this place who does not know you, that Father, I know you've already began the work of, of calling them, but Lord, I pray that today, God, that you would call to salvation. God, if there's anyone in this place today who, who needs to answer a call, who needs to get real in you, that Lord, I pray that today, God, that you would call them to these altars, that by the work of your Holy Spirit, not by the work of our own emotions or some word that I may say, Lord, I pray that it is your Holy Spirit that draws them to change today. Because God, I know that the time is at hand. We do not know when Christ will return, but we do know that he is coming. May we be guilty of working hard in the fields for you. In your most holy name, everybody says, amen, amen. You know, we look at this, this story and we kind of see the, the tell of two cities, right? You know, Jesus said that we're to be cities on a hill, right? And we're supposed to be lit up. And so we see a tell of two cities here. You see Saul, and Saul's this guy, he's like, again, he's trying to do the right thing, but he's, just, he's missing the point. And then you have a guy in the second part here by the name of Philip, they, they named a screwdriver after him, right? But, uh, but Philip is this guy, <laughs> just ignore me sometimes, but Philip is this guy who, you know, 
he, he's, he's dispersed because of like this, this coming against the church. And it says he goes somewhere and, but what we, what we know about Philip is he doesn't just go somewhere and hide, right? He doesn't just go somewhere and just sit down and just be like, okay, I gotta be quiet now. But it says he goes and he proclaims the gospel. That he goes out to Samaria, a place that Jesus had worked, right? Jesus had been in Samaria. When you're a few chapters back in the gospels, you know that Jesus worked in Samaria quite a bit. And, and here Philip kind of goes back maybe to where his training was at, right? He was comfortable witnessing to these people. So he goes back to Samaria and there's already, there's already been a, a seeding of the gospel there anyways, right? And he goes back to Samaria and because of Saul's misled work, Philip goes somewhere and joy arises in that city. Now, I want you guys to think about some points. I, I kind of wrote this down. I was studying through here a couple weeks ago, and I wrote this down in my book. And um, I want you to think about this. The ravaging of Saul, because if, you're, if your Bible probably is like mine, it says that Saul ravages the church, right? The ravaging of Saul led to the proclaiming of Philip. You guys ever went through a bad time in life? You're like, Lord, this cannot be your will, Right? I mean, come to think about it, when you're reading this, I look at this and I'm like, God, why did you allow Saul to go out here and kill people and throw them in prison, right? But through all of this, God is able to be glorified through Philip, or Philip through God, actually. But Philip goes out here and he proclaims the gospel because Saul was out here doing bad things, right? You and I, what we need to understand is that we serve a God who redeems. Everybody say amen. God can take the worst situation that you're going through right now and he can be glorified in it. And I believe that's true. Even if your football team gets beat by a Kansas State, right? Even if that happens, even if that happens, God can still be glorified. That's a silly example. But you know what I mean? If you, you could be going through the worst thing, you could go home today and get the worst news that you ever had. But God will still be glorified if you follow him. Amen. And, and I think we see that. That's the kind of the, the moral of the story, if you want to say that here. That Saul was doing this, but God said, you know what? You can do that, but I'm going to do this. You, you can, man, you can, you can tear families apart, throw them in prison, kill them, have them executed. But here's what I'm going to do, Saul. I'm going to bring much joy to this city right here. And Philip goes and he doesn't relent. He doesn't pull back. He continues to do what his savior had instructed him to do. Back to Matthew 28, right? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And if it doesn't blow our minds, think about this. Philip, through all of that persecution, he goes, he does that. <laughs> he goes out and he preaches the gospel. He continues the work of, of the ministry of the gospel here. One, one thing about the ravaging that we, we know, the ravaging was temporary. Everybody say amen. It just lasted a little bit because we know what happens to Saul here in a little, a little bit, right? God gets a hold of Saul and sets him straight. But that ravaging was temporary, but the proclaiming of Philip, it was eternal. There are people in heaven today that are still rejoicing because Philip proclaims. You guys hear that? That the work of Philip in Samaria that day, there are people in heaven today that are proclaiming because that joy was eternal. The ravaging, persecution, temporary. But what God does is eternal. And we see that Philip gets to be a part of that. That's what he does, right? The imprisonment of Saul that, that he led so many people into, it led to a freeing of souls. 
right? Man, how, how in the world can this glorify God in any way? Well, it spread everybody out and people were out here. And then all of a sudden you see people who are being set free in their soul. That they're not just people who are walking in their own depravity anymore, but now they're walking by the power of the gospel. We see it even in modern times where the church is persecuted. That's where the church is growing. That makes no sense, does it? <laughs> you think about it. Where the church is persecuted, the church is growing. You go to places around the world, China, you go to places in the Middle East, you go to places like, man, I'm praying for Turkey, right? That was, we go to these places that are persecuted for the gospel, that, that they're going to grow. It's something like, I don't know, I, I've gardened quite a bit in my time. Any gardeners in the place today, right? I've gardened quite a bit. I like to get out there and dig dirt and plant seeds, and it's just fun. I hated that I didn't get to do it this year. But as a gardener, one thing that we know that if you till that soil up, that's good for the plant, right? It lets air down in the, in the, in the soil. It, you know, it lets water down in there. It does all this kind of good work. It's, it's a perfect thing for the plant. And guys, I got to tell you something. Maybe the church in America, maybe we need a little bit of that. Because the way I see it, the church in America is super lazy right now. Pastor, man, I'm busy. I got work. I got this. I got that. My feelings have been hurt. I don't like you as a pastor or whatever. You know, we got all these things that we come to church with. Instead of coming to church and saying, you know what, God, would you work through us? I think some of us need to be tilled up a little bit. And when we can look at this and say, well, Daniel, I don't want to hear that. And maybe there may be people leave this place today and say, well, well, Daniel was talking right at me. Yeah, I probably was. No, I'm just kidding. Somebody told me last week, you're stepping on my toes. And I was like, well, I meant to. I don't. <laughs> when I preach, guys, you guys understand, like most of the time, it's me, right? I'm looking at my life, looking at my failures. It's, it's my study of the word of God. And I'm like, man, this is where I'm, I'm failing. This is where I'm not doing so hot. But God can use that, that tilling of the soil, that disruption of our normal life. He can use all of that to bring about a beautiful thing. Amen. Now, let's do some examples this morning before we go to three points and then we're going to move on. How how many of y'all were in Sunday school this morning? Raise your hand. (laughs) Okay. If you weren't in Sunday school, you should be ashamed, right? No, I'm just kidding. But here's, here's, I want to talk to you people that went to Sunday school this morning. Was it hard getting up this morning? Some of you are like, no, I I get up every morning. Okay. Okay, weirdo. Here's the thing. I, I, I have a hard time getting up in the morning, right? But if you go to Sunday school, you leave Sunday school blessed. Amen. The worship team, you guys got here early this morning, right? I was impressed. I got here and I'm like, they're already done for the day. I saw Nick back there in the back of his truck. I was like, what's he doing? You know, I was like, I was like, you guys were done. Like, like you guys got here early. Were you not blessed though? Like, I know you were. I was, I was getting out of the car and I was walking. I saw Nick and he was kind of like, Yahoo! you know, he's like, he is in a good mood, man. Walking, walking across the parking lot here. He didn't really do that. Okay, he did. But the thing, the thing we know is that when we show up for God, he shows up for us too. Let the church say amen to that. Gosh, we got to get out of this lazy, lazy mode. COVID really did something to us. And there's a lot of good stuff that came out of COVID, right? Again, Daniel's preaching about bad times, bringing about good things. I think, I think it, it kind of brought us together in some ways that we weren't. But here's what we need to understand. We've got to get out of lazy mode. Everybody here has a, has a switch on the back of your neck <laughs> and you need to flip out of lazy mode, right? Because here's what I believe is that God is not calling us to be lazy in our faith, but he's calling us to be active in our faith. Don't, don't give me excuses because everybody has them. Don't tell me, well, I'm in this. Everyone is called to the gospel. 
If you're going through a rough time, God can use you in even bigger ways. I'll tell you sometimes that that's just how it is. You know, I pastored a church when my dad passed away. I had people tell me, you need to step back. And there were times that I did step back. Don't get me wrong, right? But when my dad passed away, that was rough because my dad was my mentor. My dad was like the guy I turned to. I had questions, you know. I, I went to him on a lot of things. And then when he passed away, it was just like there was nothing there. But I had, I had some wise friends tell me, you know, Daniel, this is God, God's preparing you for something. Like God's, God's building you up. Don't you still feel here? And I'm like, yeah, I'm still here. You know, I tried to run away from God. And he wouldn't even allow me to do it. So here's the thing. You guys, if you're going through rough times, if there's something going on that's keeping you from, from doing what you should be doing, say, you know what, God, let me, let me just trust you in this process. Let me trust you. God can use that just like he used Saul, putting people in prison. Because that happened, then there were people who were set free from the, the sin prisons that they were in. You and I today, we're blessed, aren't we? If you're hearing the gospel right now, you're blessed. There are parts of the world, there are places in this country, there may be even places in this town where the gospel is not, it's not known. People are not preaching it. People have not heard. Last week, Church of the Park was fun because we, just, we preached the gospel out there. There was a whole lot of y'all that weren't there, and I'm, I'm sorry that you weren't. Like, I'm not mad, okay? But I'm sorry because as a church, what I saw was people proclaiming the gospel. And, and, and what was beautiful was they were having ball practice over here. And there's these parents walking by and some of them were like walking up. Some people walked up to the back and stood there a while and they heard the gospel proclaimed. There was a couple of times I was preaching and I only preached for four hours that night, okay? But, but I'm, I'm standing there and I'm preaching and there kept, I kept noticing, I was like, God, okay, this is not really what I envisioned this night was gonna be per se. Like I wanted it to be bigger, you know? I mean, it's just a pastor thing. The worship team, y'all were probably the same way because I know y'all worked so hard. But I'm like, I'm standing there and I'm like, okay, Lord, Show me, show me what we're here for. And there was like some people that came up in the back and stood there. And I like kind of changed, uh, if, if you were there, you might not have noticed it, but I kind of changed my sermon and I went right to the gospel at that point. Like I didn't wait till the end. I kind of preached it right in the middle because I knew those people need to hear it. So yeah, sometimes I do preach at people, okay? So anyways, that, 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 that idea that, I mean, we could have been doing a lot of things that night. It was hot last week, you know? We could have been concerned about what people thought of us, but you know, they couldn't deny who we were. Our church fans out there, they're rocking out praise and worship. We're preaching the gospel. Here's the thing. Even if, even if we didn't trust God with our whole heart, by preaching the gospel, it still happened. The seeds are still there. There are going to be people that I believe heard on a ball field, it could have been some little kid out there practicing ball and they heard Jesus saves. Jesus is the way. You know, they could have heard those, those words and it's, it's something that's going to stick with them. But even if we're all in prison for Jesus, God can still use that. Do you guys hear that today? The proclaiming of Philip, guys, here's the thing. It wasn't just something, we're not lifting Philip up today. Understand, right? I'm not lifting people up that came to Sunday school or came to church at the park or people that tithe or people that do this or that. I'm not, I'm not lifting you up because here's the thing. It's not about you, right? Now, sometimes people say, well, that sermon just really didn't speak to me or, you know, I don't really like the, the worship this morning. Well, that's okay because we weren't worshiping you, right? We weren't doing that for you. 
Well, Daniel, that, that word, it, 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 I don't, it hurts, my, hurts my heart. It steps on my toes. Well, that's okay because that's what it's supposed to do. It's a double-edged sword. It's there to, to correct and rebuke, to teach. It's there to do what it's supposed to do. And by the way, if you think that when I preach a sermon that I don't step on my own toes, you're wrong. Because <laughs> I do. But look here. That proclaiming of Philip, it led to a joy that still exists to this day. If I were to ask um, so many people in this place, how many of y'all want to do something that lasts forever? How many of y'all want to do that? You know? It was a few weeks ago. We had a business meeting because we, we were involved in a ministry and now that ministry went this way. And so now we're kind of still tied to this ministry in some way. And, and, I, and I saw like, I saw a bunch of people saying the same thing in this place. I saw a bunch of people saying the same thing. We probably could have said it in a better way. We probably could, maybe shouldn't have been so hateful and sometimes. But here's what I want you to understand. What I did see is a bunch of people who were still invested in a ministry that we started years ago. You see what I'm saying? We can look at that and say, man, that's, that's a terrible, that was a terrible meeting. It was a terrible meeting. I think it showed us that, you know what? We're human, and so we need to trust in Jesus even more. We need to rely upon him, right? And beyond that, I see a church that really cares about ministry. A church that says, you know what? We want to keep that thing going. We don't want to turn into a pot shop. We don't want this happening or that happening. We want to see a ministry continue on. I mean, I hope we would fight the same for this church as we would a church that we were involved in like 20 years ago, right? I, I would hope that we're, we're happy and pumped about this church right now. That we would, that we would be okay if we were in prison, that we'd be okay if we faced death, that we'd be okay if people made fun of us, that we'd be okay if Daniel Henson were our pastor, right? We'd be okay with all of this if we would just follow him and let God be glorified. God does amazing things in weird times. God, God works in such great ways. I want you to look at these three points. I, I, I kind of just, I looked at this and I thought, man, this, this, this is what happened. Because you see kind of this, again, this tell of two cities. You've got, you know, this one city that's not quite there yet. And you got Philip, man, he's a city on a hill. Can't deny it. He's going into Samaria. People are getting saved. People are being healed. Demons are being cast out of people, right? Paralyzed, lame, were healed. And... There was a joy in the city. Look at this. First point I would say today is that the Lord redeems broken situations. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point because I think we talk about it a lot, right? But what we see here is a broken situation. We could look at it and say, man, the church was doing so good. And then along came Saul, right? <laughs> along came Saul and he's just destroying everything. He's ruining it all. We may get that way sometimes in church. Everything was going so good and then this happened. Don't look at it that way. Ministry, it continues. Ministry goes on. Last time I checked that the gospel that we preach now is the same gospel that was preached years ago, right? It was the same gospel that was preached back when we were kids. It was the same gospel that was preached back when. It's the same gospel. It's the same gospel being preached. Guys, get that. We're continuing on a work that started a long time ago. The, the work here at McLeod was going on long before Daniel Henson got here. And guess what? It, it was going on before you got here too. So the gospel being preached, I want you to understand that the Lord can take a broken situation. Some point in history, there was a town called McLeod that started, and there was a bunch of believers who said, you know what, Jesus can do a good work here. And so they, they put together a church, they got to meeting, and that church still exists today. The Lord can redeem broken situations. I, I really think, and, and I, I'm hoping over the next several, several months that we're, we're going to have a focus on reaching our community. So I think we've been really good at, at ministering to ourselves, right? 
I think we've been really good maybe even at doing other things and giving to, you know, uh, different funds and missions and stuff like that. But I think we do also need to focus on our town because right now there are people in our circle. We could, we could draw a five-mile circle here and there are people who are not in church. People say, how do you grow a church? You reach the people that are unreached. <laughs> That's how you grow a church. It's not, it's not coffee. It's not cool pastors, which you got one, by the way, but it's not all this stuff, right? It's about preaching the gospel to people who haven't heard the gospel. Honestly, some of these people have heard the gospel. They just need to be invited. They need to be encouraged. I mean, that, that's really the, the, the picture that we have here. And besides all of this, the Lord can redeem it anyways. McLeod could be the most horrible place in the world and God could redeem it, Right? If you ask people, what, what is McLeod known for? Historically, what do they say? Does anybody know? Blackberries, right? Now, come on. I know, I know we're Baptists. You can say this word in church. What also were we known for? Nobody wants to say it. The W word. Whiskey. Okay, right? So we were known for like, for like producing whiskey at one time, right? That's the truth. You look in the history. I mean, we, this, was like a, this was a whiskey place, man. That McLeod whiskey was something else. Ooh. There it is. <laughs> but is that how we're defined today, right? I mean, as a church, what are we defined as? We should be defined as a people who have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb because the Lord does that. He redeems things. He, he changes things. The second thing I would say this morning out of this story that we see is that the Lord prepares the hearts of those proclaiming and those who are hearing I kind of wanted to split this up a little bit, okay? Because it's not just God working among the holy people, right? We get that. In modern terms, it's not just God working through First Baptist Church McLeod. Did you guys, did you know that God's working in other churches in town too, right? We understand that. <laughs> Sometimes we forget, I think. Our, our mentality or, you know, we get very like territorial. You know, and I love it when I, you guys introduce me in public or something like, this is my pastor. I love that. I do. Don't get me wrong. People drive by and say, well, that's my church. I like that. That's awesome. But here's what I want you to understand is that the gospel is for all people. And the gospel is being preached by a lot of people today. And the Lord prepares the hearts of those proclaiming. You and I, we all came through COVID. We all came through through different times. You guys came through, you know, a, a season without a pastor. I came through a time when I believe the Lord was preparing me to come here, right? The Lord prepares us. Austin and Massa, I mean, the Lord was preparing you guys along the way, right? How in the world did you end up in McLeod? It still blows my mind. I'm like, how, how, what? I don't know, but it happens, right? You know, Jesse, you and your family are here because God prepared you, right? I mean, it was like, like whenever the call came for us, it wasn't a big step because we were already ready to step into it, you know? I mean, there was a little bit of hesitancy and maybe, God, is this what you want for us? But we were able to step into it because God was preparing us. And really what I believe, church, I want you to look around. Look around everybody that's in this place. There is a lot of loving people in this church, right? You know, I, I think sometimes we all just need to get in a big circle and hug each other because we forget that we're there for each other. We're the family of God, right? Because I know how it is. Like if you hadn't talked to someone in church in a while, well, then you start thinking, well, they don't like me, you know? Or they're this, or they're that. I know how church people are, because I mean, I'm a church person, right? Sometimes we just need to sit down with people and just hug it out. My mom, me and my sister, we in, you know, 
She lives in Florida, and I'm thankful for that. But my sister, you know, we, when we were kids, I'm just kidding. I love my sister, right? But, but when we were kids, we would fight, right? My sister was always wrong. She never understood that I was always right. And, and we, were, we would always fight. But my mom would make us hug, like, until we forgave each other. <laughs> I'm not making you guys hug this morning because I don't think we're there. But again, remember, you've got a beautiful place and a beautiful group of people to love and that love you, and that our church is not defined by a name on the door. We're defined by our love. Jesus didn't say we'll be known as Christians by our signs on the door. We'll be known as Christians by our love, one for another. Is that, is that, that good? Are you today, are, are, you, are you living in that truth? Because that's not just a truth, it's the truth. That the Lord prepares the hearts of those who proclaim. And here's what I believe. We have a bunch of people here in McLeod First Baptist Church that are ready to proclaim. It's just time to go. It's go time. Like, honestly, last week, it was good. I think God, God orchestrated Church of the Park, and it just, it, just, it just happened, right? You guys, I, I know y'all worked hard, but I'm saying it, went, it was, was, went well. Like when none of us struggle, we just got there and preached the gospel. And I think our church, that's, a, that's just a, a microcosm of, of what our church is about. We have a lot more people who are ready to proclaim the gospel. When, when I think about, uh, you know, Wednesday nights, there are people here just to proclaim the gospel. When I think about VBS, we didn't really fight too hard on that. We just had people show up and proclaim the gospel, right? It just happens because God has prepared us. And I believe that the God prepares the hearts of those who proclaim. And check this out. He also prepares the hearts of those who are going to hear. There are people in this community who God right now is preparing them to hear the gospel that will be preached through our mouths, that will be preached through our hands and our feet. They're ready to hear the gospel. I have no doubt that this town is ready. And God does it, right? It's not, it's not a new program or a new pastor. It's not a, a denomination that does it. It's God who does the work. The last thing I would say is that the Lord brings much joy. Everybody say joy. It's the Lord that does it. How many of you feel a joy in your heart because of what God has done, right? Who does that? I mean, I've been in church since I was a little kid. Like I grew up in church. I've slept a lot in church, right? Over the years, I've ate a lot of cookies in church, right? I've drank a lot of Kool-Aid. I've been on a lot of mission trips. I've been in a lot of part of a lot of vacation Bible schools. I've been part of like a camp basically every summer of my life. One year, we were in camp for five weeks. <laughs> that was a fun summer, right? Five weeks. Ooh. It wasn't just taking the kids to camp. I mean, I was either the speaker or maybe I was part of the worship band or something like that, right? I mean, that was, it, was, it was an intense summer. When I, when I was in Arizona, I mean, we, every week was a new vacation Bible school team or camp team. And I, that was my job just to get these people around. But the Lord brings the joy, right? I'll never forget, um, we were in, we were in Arizona and, I, and I'm living out there and I'd spoke, I'd spoken to a group from California. Um, they were tied in with Biola University. Okay. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Biola University, but they were really close to that. So you had a lot of these, these, these people that were just really grounded up in the, on the, on the word of God. Um, and I talked to them on the phone and I didn't know, I didn't know anything about their, their looks, right? Now stay with me here. I'm going to make a point here. 
I talked to these guys for months and we planned and we planned and we're on the phone. This is all before like FaceTime and all that, but we're, we're on the phone and we're, we're planning stuff and everyone to come out here and we're going to do a camp and do some work projects and we're going to do all this kind of stuff. Um, they're in Salee where I was at and, and, and the day come for them to show up and like 40 vans pull in and bus and U-Haul trucks. I mean, they're ready to go to work and all these people get out and they're all Japanese Americans, right? On the phone, I didn't know. Like they were like, Hey dude, what's up, dude? You know, they're from California, by the way. So, so they all had these, these like really cool California accents, but when they got out, they're Japanese Americans. And I'm like, isn't that beautiful? What's the point in me telling you that? The point in me telling you that is that the gospel works through all people. It didn't matter what race they were. What America needs now more than ever, and we keep bringing up race to keep doing it. What we need to do is focus on the fact that we all need Jesus. It doesn't matter if we're Japanese American or Irish American or African American or Native American. It doesn't matter what, what we are. What matters is that we all know Jesus. Those people came out there. And the reason I tell you this story is because, yeah, we could be like, I mean, I, honestly, at first I was like, whoa, I didn't know. Because I was like, I didn't know these people were Japanese. American. It didn't sound like it on the phone, right? But here they, they show up and they're, they're these beautiful Japanese people and they get out. And, and like that we had, I had them in my, in my circle for two weeks, right? And it was such a wonderful two weeks of my life. And here's one thing I can say is that the Lord brought joy to that place. I saw a bunch of people who were joyful in Jesus. And they're preaching the gospel and they're helping people and they're chopping wood and they're bringing water and we're working on houses and, and we're doing vacation Bible schools and they're doing little carnivals in the communities and we're doing all this kind of stuff and it was just a wonderful time together. But it was all wrapped up in a joy that only comes from the Lord. It only comes from Jesus. We were from all over the place. My, my job in Arizona, I mean, I, I, would, I might be one week working for people from California and then one week working with a bunch of people who had Amish ancestry from Pennsylvania. Very different, right? But the gospel's the same. And the joy that I experienced with all those groups came from the Lord. It came from the Lord. And in this story, we see where, you know, they're going through all this persecution. They're ripped up out of their homes. They go other places. They preach the gospel. They do all of this but it was Jesus that brought the joy. You know what America needs? You know what? Let's go smaller. You know what McLeod needs right now? Joy. I see, um, you know, we do these, these big events in town, fall festival, Blackberry festival, right? We see these things that go on and I see joy at these events, but that joy is like short-lived. You guys realize that the joy that we have to offer McLeod is everlasting joy. The peace that we have to offer to McLeod is an everlasting peace. The life that we are able to live in front of and show the way to know and to get is an everlasting life. Church, we, we have a wonderful job. We're not out here. I mean, we don't, we, we should never think, oh, well, these people are lost in sin. It's okay. The gospel will set them free. Just love them. Preach the truth. Our town needs to, we need that. I had someone from the community tell me not too long ago. And by the way, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about us as a group. They, they're hearing the things that's going on here at First Baptist. And they come up and they said, you guys are doing what this town needs right now. They, they said, our church, is, we're not, we can't do that. We're not doing it, whatever. But you guys are doing what this town needs I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I like people to talk good about me, don't you? But I got to sit back from that. 
It's not me that's bringing the joy, it's Jesus. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Not the joy of the Baptists. Even though we're defined as Baptists and we love that and that's great. And I'm, man, I'm, you know, man, we do a lot of good stuff. The, the state missions offering, the Ed, Ed McMillan, we reach a lot of people. We help, I mean, that video this morning, I didn't know we did that. We helped a bunch of refugees, you know? That was your money, but you guys realize that, right? Like you give money and a percentage of our money goes to the state and that's what it does. That's cool. But that's not what we're defined by. We're defined by our love and we're defined by a joy that comes from above. If you were, if you were in service uh, Wednesday night, Psalm 33, right? I'm about to say a word we talked about over and over and over and over and over again, because I think it really ties into what we're talking about this morning. Psalm 33, verse one says, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the uprights. Everybody say befits. I hope you guys just put that into your regular vocabulary. We got done with the OU game last night and we were hungry. And I waited 40 minutes in line at McDonald's for a Big Mac. I know, but I waited 40 minutes in line for a Big Mac. And I was like, this Big Mac befits me. <laughs> I was so hungry. I was so hungry. It's really hard knowing how to win a football game, you know, and the coaches don't listen. It's really hard. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm sitting there and I'm eating that hammer. I'm like, this befits me. Here, here's the thing. I think we need a definition in a modern church today because... We think, well, what, what befits us? Shorter services, coffee in the foyer, you know, uh, certain types of music, certain types of preaching, certain types of outreaches. What befits the church? Praise. That's what befits us. Not all this other stuff. We get, we get lost in it. You know, we even talked about it. Um, if you go on with the verses there, it says, you know, give thanks to the Lord with the lyre, make melody to him with the harp of 10 strings. Sing to him a new song, right? We see all of that. Play skillfully on the strings and with loud shouts for the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. And we, we were in Bible study the other night in prayer and, and like I did the same thing. My brother Preston did the same thing too. We kind of like alluded, like we read this passage of scripture and we alluded to the fact that, hey, they were playing 10 string guitars back then. That's pretty cool. It's not even what it's about though, is it? It's about praise. Like, we, we get caught up in the wrong things sometimes. Well, well, you know, how long is this sermon? I don't know. It's 1141. Y'all are going to be here a while. Okay, so 1141, we think, well, how long is the sermon? How long is the song? What, you know, what style of a song is it? What, what, what? We get caught up in these types of things. But really, what this, what this passage is about is the fact that it's praise that befits us. It's praise. What are we praising? We're praising a God who, who brings joy. Amen? We're, we're praising a God who, who, who does such wonderful works in our lives. He, he, he's a God that doesn't just bring joy, but he redeems situations. Like we can go through rough times and he redeems it. We have a God who, who helps us to proclaim and he helps those who need to hear to hear. One of the most comforting things I know out of scripture is that I know that when I preach the gospel, that it's not just my words, even though I take it seriously and I study it and I'm, I want to make sure I say the right thing. Sure. But it's the Holy Spirit that speaks to the heart. It's the Holy Spirit that speaks to that person before they even come here this morning, before they come to an event or before they, they see me. It's not about me. It's about the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. By the power of the Holy Spirit, 
by the work of Jesus on the cross and for the, for the glory of God. It's beautiful. It's Jesus that brings the redemption. It's Jesus that brings the preparation. It's Jesus that brings the joy. I don't know about you guys, but I want much joy for our city, don't you? I pray that our city would know much joy. I, I'm beginning to see, you know, I, I, I see what the city thinks of us, the people around us. It, it's a positive thing I'm, I'm getting from a lot of folks lately. People that visit, they say, man, I feel really welcome to here. You guys are really, you know, you're welcoming. You didn't, you didn't push me out. You know, you didn't push me out of a pew because I was sitting in it and that was my pew. You know, that didn't happen, right? We're not defined by our tradition. We're defined by our love for each other and our love for God. That's, that's, that's our DNA. That's, that's who we are. You know, it's who we are. It's something that God has done. I pray that, that this is like a vision that you and I have for each other and that we have for this city and that we have for this church in general. This church is not just about us coming together and paying bills and keeping the lights on sometimes. It's not about that, right? It's, it's about us, you know, coming together and proclaiming the gospel. That we don't have time to argue, argue and bicker. We don't have time to have, you know, different groups within the church, which I'm not saying this is who we are, but catch what I'm saying. This is what happens in churches. That this happens in churches. That we look at each other differently across the aisles or down the pew or in different, you know, whatever. Here's the thing. We need to look at each other with love because that's how we're defined. And the way that we do that is through the Lord. Because he's the one that does the redemption. He's the one that does the preparing. Guess he's the one that brings the joy. I want to just wrap up uh, this morning. Um, you guys are probably going to see this, but we're, you know, I want to begin like a time uh, over the next couple of months of just praying for our town, like specific prayers, right? Um, here in a couple of weeks, we're going to come together. I'm wanting to do like some outreaches in the community. And, and it doesn't have to happen. You know, we say, well, Sunday night. I want it to be something that's ongoing like all the time. Like Daniel and I, we were talking the other day, like we need, I need like a good visitors pack, right? Right. I mean, that's stuff like that. Sure. We need that kind of stuff, but, but we need, I think the community needs to know that we're here, that we love them and that we have a good word for them. We can't expect the community to hear anything if we just shut up in here and make, make sure the windows are shut, you know, let's, let's, let's worship here because we're comfortable here. I don't think that's the call at all. But if we're to pray for our town, here's what, here's what I, I've kind of grabbed this and I've, I've tweaked it a little bit for us um, off the National Day of Prayer. But one thing that we need to be doing, and guys, if you want to write this down, you're, you're going to see it. But one thing we need to do is that we need to pray for unbelievers to be saved. Okay? Here's the thing. Here's what I, here's what I, I, I believe and I get it. A lot of us were like, man, I don't, I don't have the... I don't have this, the courage. I don't have, you know, I don't have the ability to speak to someone and tell them that they need Jesus. I, I don't know what to do. Well, we need to change that within the churches for one, right? Like shame of us for not knowing our testimony. Shame on us for not knowing how to evangelize someone. Every believer is an evangelist. And really, I, I want everybody just to kind of stay with me here. You don't have the right to say, I don't know how to evangelize people. You're called to evangelism. You don't have that right. You don't have the right to keep the good news to yourself. You guys catch me on that, right? I'm not being negative. I'm just saying you don't have the right. Because I get it a lot. A lot of people say, well, I'm not very good with my speech. You know, Moses wasn't either. 
God still used him with people around him, right? Thank God for Aaron and his sweet tongue because he could, he, he could, man, he could talk to Pharaoh just like nobody. But they work together as a team. And I think it's the same for you and I say we can all and we should all be proclaiming the gospel, right? Look here. We need to be praying for unbelievers to be saved. If you want to know how to pray from a cloud, pray, God, would you please call people to repentance today? That's a prayer. That's a super easy prayer. It's super fast. Another thing we can pray is we need to pray for a national spiritual awakening. We need it all across America, do we not? We need it everywhere. The prayer for our nation is, is not something we should take lightly. Because a lot of the laws and a lot of the, the movements that are going on in other places, if we're praying for God to move in those areas too, then that's going to affect us in a good way. I know everybody's like, well, the end times are here. America's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Well, maybe, but, but the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that America's going to get worse. America could actually be, in the last days, we could be a big, bright, shining light to the world. I'd rather that be the, the case. As, as a believer in Jesus Christ, if I can help that happen, I want to. So we need to pray for a national spiritual awakening. We need to pray for unity between pastors and churches, right? Why? Well, if we're all preaching the gospel, we all need to be working together. There may be some things we disagree on. That's okay. More than likely, we're all going to get to heaven. We're all going to figure out what's all wrong. And that Jesus said, no, this is, this is what I meant by, you know, end times. Or this is what I meant by this or that. If we're preaching Jesus, that's important. That's all we need to preach. We need to pray for families. You know, some of the things I want us to do, and it, it may not seem like much, but you know, I think a lot of us are probably able to do some prayer walking or maybe prayer driving, right? You, you can go down to the park and just sit there on the bench and just pray for people as they're walking around. We have a very busy park here in McLeod, Oklahoma. We have like a, a ready-made like ministry opportunity right there. There's, there's sporting events that we can go to. There's school events. You say, well, I don't really have kids in school. It's okay. You, go, go hang out with people. Go hear people's stories and then go tell people about Jesus. Because I think our joy is to bring joy. Our job is to bring joy, right? That's our job. It's not our joy, but it's the joy of the Lord. So we pray for, we pray for families. Here's one I think that's interesting. We need to pray for race, racial reconciliation because we have a problem today in America. We do. I know people say, well, we don't need to talk about race. No, we need to talk about race. One thing we need to talk about race is that, you know what? We're all God's children. I know that's a definition because well, we're not all God's children. No, we're all created in the image of God. And I believe it's God's will that all people know him. That's scripture. That's not me. So we need, we need ra racial reconciliation in this world today. I, I got the opportunity to go um, last Wednesday to OBU and they had a, a service, right? And I was telling our people Wednesday, I was like, man, I really didn't want to go. I was like, I got all this to do. I don't have time to go to this church service, you know. A bunch of these preachers are like, yes, y'all need to come. You need to come to this. And I'm like, I really don't want to go because like preachers kind of annoy me anyway. So I didn't want to go to this. But but I go to, go to this. I'm just kidding, kind of. But I went to the service and and it was a rec racial reconciliation day, a diversity day, right? And, and they, you know, they start the service out and they've got like a praise song. It's like this beautiful, like, like Native American, like singers, right? Some people might be like, that doesn't sound like a church song. No, it didn't. It sounded like I was at a powwow, but it was a worship song out of Psalms, right? And they're coming in and, and they came in and then you had, you had an African-American choir and you had people speaking Mandarin and people speaking Spanish. I mean, it was just a beautiful service, right? And it really spoke to me. It's like, you know what? We all need Jesus. 
what we need in American today, I don't think we need woke things. <laughs> I don't think it's all about CRT. I don't think it's any of that. Don't, don't get me wrong this morning. What I think we need to understand is that everybody needs Jesus. We don't need some other world thing, world teaching. We don't need all that stuff. What we need is to understand that every person, regardless of their color, needs Jesus. Every one of us. So what do we need to pray for? We need to pray that that happens in our, in our society. We need to pray for, for life to be valued. I, I'm big on like this idea of abortion and how, you know, it's great that in, in Oklahoma, we've got some big measures passed to where abortion is not happening, right? That's great. It's, it's going to be a continued fight. But even bigger than that, I, my prayer is that people in America would just value life. My prayer is that we wouldn't even have to have laws because people were just for once smart enough to say, you know what? That's a baby. We don't need to be killing babies. And not just as a statement, but as a conviction of the Holy Spirit. So praying that, that life is valued. And of course, praying for our local and national government leaders. I know, man, we can spend a lot of time complaining about things. And I was at an OU game last night, and the people that sat behind me, if they wouldn't have been wearing OU jerseys, I would have thought they hated OU, you know? All they did the whole night was complain. The, the one guy sounded kind of like Ross Geller off of Friends. You know, he kind of had this voice. I'm just like, dude, like, encourage your team, right? Don't, don't just sit there and talk bad about them. They're terrible. They're terrible. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm not that guy. It's a rebuilding year, yeah. Right? They, they were crying. They were crying about it. It's, they were all this. We don't need to be that way in our world, though, do we? Let's not be naysayers. Let's not be people who are down and out. Let's not be people who are being negative about what's going on. We need to be preaching the pot. You know what? There is some bad stuff going on in America today, but I serve a God who can redeem. Sure. You guys hear the story this morning, right? People say, well, I don't know. Is Acts really that important to preach? It is for me because I'm like encouraged today. The Lord, the Lord can take a broken America and redeem it. The Lord can take a broken, a broken family and redeem it. The Lord can take a broken town and redeem it. The Lord can take maybe a church that's needing some encouragement and, and a little shot of B12 in the arm, right? And he can redeem us. He can prepare us. He can prepare the people that we're talking to, you know, um, St. Patrick, in his prayer, in, in the, the shield of St. Patrick, he says, you know, I pray for myself. He says, you know, I pray that God's above me, he's below me. And one of the things he says, he says, I pray that God is in the people that hear me. That God is in my tongue and in the words that I say to people. That God's in their ears. Like, that was his prayer. Like, he, he understood, I think, that it's the Lord that prepares not just us, but he also prepares those that we talk to. And church, I got to tell you something. There ought to be some joy in this place this morning. Because it's not the joy of the Baptists that's our strength. It's not the joy of the Republicans or Democrats that's our strength. It's not the joy of the, the Sooners or the Cowboys that's our strength. It's the joy of the Lord. And what do we, what do we focus on? What do we come around? What's, what's really, what's the focus point today? It should be Jesus. That's what it ought to be. It's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. I want joy for our town, don't you? I want joy in this community. I want joy in this church, in this fellowship. I want joy in my nation. And I want all of this, and that's a great thing to have. But here's the thing. It's not going to happen apart from Jesus. 
went to a football game last night. Again, I'll tell you guys, I, mean, I went to it and I was like, you know, it starts out, I don't know if you've ever been to like an OU game. OSU games are awesome like this too. There's a lot of traditions that go on. There's songs. There's, you know, there's all this, this, uh, this fanfare that goes on before a game. It's just really cool. You know, they're doing flying big jets over the stadium and big old American flag or Oklahoma flags. There's all the stuff that's going on at these games. And it's really beautiful to see that. But if your team's losing, that joy quickly diminishes by the fourth quarter. <laughs> I mean, to the point that these people who were shouting for their team were leaving a quarter early. That's, that's a picture of the world, though. That the joy, the, the peace that the world offers is very temporary, but what Jesus has to offer us is forever. It's forever. And the cool thing is, is you and I get to be a part of that. If you're a Sunday school teacher, keep Sunday school teaching. Right? If you're a worship leader, you're part of the worship team, keep doing that. If you're, if you're a respected person in the community and you invite people to church all the time and you encourage them, keep doing it. Right? If you're a preacher, keep preaching. Whatever it is that God has placed you, wherever he's placed you, keep doing that in the, in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. You know, the Bible teaches us that everything we do, we're to do it as to the Lord. Everything. The way we drive, the way we go to the post office, the way we treat people should be yes to the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I know you're in this place. We know the story of Saul is not over yet. The story of Philip is still going on. (laughs) Two guys who were long gone, dead, buried. Their bones have have blown away, Father. But the works that you were to do in both of these men, these two cities, God, is is beautiful. And Philip, you sent him out, Samaria would never be the same. And our man Saul, soon to be Paul, he would proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. And Lord, your, your good news would go around the globe. And today we are We are people who are blessed by that work. But Lord, these two people that you work through, it's just a picture of what you're doing even within us today. God, I pray that we are not so blind as to miss it. What you're doing here, just in our fellowship alone, I know you're doing it in other places here in our town. I get it, Father, but, but, but just for this moment, as we... First Baptist Church, as we come together and we pray, Lord, I pray that we have this, this unity of spirit, that we, that we look to you, the author and the perfecter of our faith, that, Father, that we come together and that we do works by your power, that, Lord, our prayers are focused on people knowing you. Because, God, here's our, here's our goal and here's what we want. We want joy in this city, and we know that joy only comes from the Lord. Father, send your believers from this place from today. As we go, that Lord, you would send us some power. But Lord, if there's not, if there be someone here that's not, not in your, in your family, they've never asked you to be the Savior. They've never felt that need. But Lord, today I believe you're calling them to salvation. And what Romans teaches that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. Father, I I pray that you would, at this moment, call these people to repentance, to salvation. We thank you for your good word today. Father, 
Remind us of your redemption. Remind us of your preparation and remind us of your joy today. In your most holy name, amen.